Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. John 14, verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Chapter 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Chapter 16. Verse 23, I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Matthew chapter 18 Verse 19, again I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Matthew 21, verse 21, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What is wrong? We don't see those results. But something is wrong. Let me read something to you. We were sitting having a leisurely cup of coffee when we heard screams. One of the boys came rushing into the kitchen. Dad, there's been an accident. Charles didn't wait to hear any more. He ran out of the house and across the yard, closely followed by Joyce. Caroline and I were staying with Joyce and Charles and their family while I was ministering for a few days in Cornwall. On the previous evening, I had been speaking about the prayer promises of Jesus and what it means to pray with faith, knowing that God is going to answer you. We were already praying when Charles carried 10-year-old Joanna into the room. In the garage, the children had been melting down lead to pour into molds to make gifts for Christmas. One of them dropped a cold piece of metal into the container, 
causing some of the molten mixture to fly into Joanna's face. Some of the liquid lead had gone into both eyes. Can you imagine the effect of molten lead on eyes? The parents' immediate reaction was to rush at a hospital, but little Joanna, 10 years old, said, you know doctors can't do anything for lead in eyes, only Jesus can. It took her mother nearly 40 minutes to remove all the pieces of metal. During that time, we all prayed silently and aloud with Joanna and for her. But all the time, we thanked the Lord that there would be no damage to the eyes and praised him for his healing. Joanna was obviously in considerable distress, so once the metal had been removed from her eyes, we asked the Lord to give her a deep sleep so that she would not suffer from prolonged shock after such an experience. She slept and at 5 p.m. was downstairs having tea with us. Her eyes were not even bloodshot. And it was subsequently confirmed when she had medical examination that she had suffered no damage to them at all. That is our loving Heavenly Father answering the prayers of his children. Let me just read one sentence again. On the previous evening, I had been speaking about the prayer promises of Jesus and what it means to pray with faith, knowing that God is going to answer you. That was the opening chapter of Anything You Ask. This is a copy of the first edition. They actually put on the uh, front cover the whole of the scripture, anything you ask in my name, I would do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that was a good advertisement. I didn't like the spine very much because on the spine it says, anything you ask, Urquhart. not the intention of the book. <laughs> but this book has sold many, many thousands, tens of thousands, perhaps even hundreds of thousands of copies. It's been through many different versions. Uh, a few years ago, there was a series of books published called uh, Christian Essential Books. And it was, they took 10 books from the previous 40 years that they considered to be essential for every Christian to read. And Anything You Ask was one of those. I've uh, been scanning the book for about an hour earlier this morning. It's brilliant. Because it was, it's so anointed, it was written at a time in my life and ministry when I knew, I knew that whatever I prayed would happen. There was no doubt. There was no room for any alternative. If I prayed it, it would happen. 
something is wrong with me and probably with many of us because we don't have that expectation. That we only have to pray and it will certainly and surely happen. But all those prayer promises that we've just been reading indicate that, that whatever we pray in his name, he will do. Not he might do or he could do or he'll think about doing. He will do. And I can remember in this period of time when I was preaching this everywhere I went and we were, of course, living it in the community which we were a part at that time. My children would keep repeating these things back to me. It's not I may do, it's not I could do, it's not I might do, it's I will do. I can remember my youngest, she was always, as soon as I started to talk about faith, this is what she would come out with. We're here in this building because of such faith. This is the product of the grace of God, of course, because... Our faith is in God and it's in his grace. As I was scanning through this book, which was written, published in 1978, that's 41 years ago, I thought to myself, if I was to write such a book today, I don't think I could improve on it, even though I've had so much experience since writing that book. And I made the decision that I was not going to put any testimonies in the book because I wanted just to focus on the word and for people to get the testimonies of themselves, for themselves as to how God would answer their prayer. That opening of the first chapter was the only testimony in the whole book. It didn't need testimonies because God's word speaks for itself when we believe it. And... uh, Something is wrong with me because, has been, because I haven't been in that same place of faith. We had a very powerful conference in Italy as uh, last weekend before last, as I explained to you. One of the reasons for that is that one of the sessions I, I talked about the confidence of faith. That when we are actually operating with faith, walking by faith, praying with faith, we are supremely confident. And we are confident, therefore, that God will do anything we ask in his name. If you live in me and my word lives in you, ask whatever you wish And it will be given you. These are such amazing prayer promises. And, you know, we can look at this and say, well, it would be lovely to see that in practice, but it seems to be beyond our experience. But I've known it over a period of several years, perhaps 15, 20 years. I've seen that. Whatever we ask, God did. And uh, 
God wants to raise our level of faith. Now, that's not being negative. It's not being saying we're not in a place of faith now. But there's faith and faith. And what we need is the faith of which Jesus speaks. Now, he describes this faith as a tiny mustard seed. I've actually got some mustard seed in my office. I was going to bring the through, but I've forgotten to do that. Uh, tiny seed. It's not that you have to have a lot of faith, but just the right kind of faith. Because, of course, when you plant a seed, the seed gives birth to whatever is in the seed. If you plant a, a, an apple pip, you'll get an apple tree. You won't get a pear tree or an orange tree. If we sow that mustard seed of faith, Jesus says we can move mountains, we can uproot trees. There is really no limit to what is possible because everything becomes possible for those who have such faith. So it isn't, I've got to try to have more faith. As soon as, you, uh, as soon as you think like that, you've lost the plot. It's the quality of the faith. It's the kind of faith that God wants there to be. So I've been saying to the Lord these last few days, he spoke to me a few weeks ago and said, Colin, I want to revive your faith. And my reaction to that was, hallelujah, that's what I need. And so he's been working on me ever since, and still is. So, you know, I'm addressing myself as much as you this morning. And I've recognized, I had to recognize, first of all, that something was wrong with me, that I was no longer in the same place of faith that I have been, that I have known. Therefore, I don't see the same results. It's wrong that we have so many sick people around that aren't healed yet. Yes, we've seen some amazing miracles in recent times, and we see a flow of healing, but this is not God's best, what we're experiencing now. We have some situations which go on and on and on, and uh, that's also true for me. I've been in pain, standing and walking for several months now, and it's got to stop. Uh, but this is not just a personal thing. This is true for all of us. It's not glorifying to the Lord that we are not able to pay bills on time or staff on time, and there's been a challenge to the finances for several months now. It's not right. It's not glorifying to the Lord. The Lord wants to be glorified in our finances. The Lord wants to be glorified in our health. The Lord wants to be glorified in every area of our lives. Harvest is never going to arrive if we're simply waiting for harvest. There's several things that God is working in our hearts now, preparing for that. 
what we see now is it's not really harvest. It is just the first little signs that harvest is on the way. But let me tell you, when, you, when we're in harvest, everybody will know. You won't have to claim we're in harvest. Everybody will know we're in harvest. Because I've been in harvest, so I know what it's like. So we're not being negative, but we can't sit back and wait because once God has spoken and given promises, it's for us to take hold of his word, to believe the promises, and to see the fulfillment of what God is saying. So this isn't about healing. It's not about finance. It's not about harvest. It's about faith. Because faith is the common denominator to all those things and to several other issues in our lives. And we know the scripture that says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So there's many ways in which I believe, by his mercy and grace, we do please him because of the ways in which he is allowed to work in us and through us and among us. But I believe that we're way short at this moment of really being able to glorify and please him by the faith that we exercise. So I've been saying to the Lord, well, I can see something is missing, something is wrong, but what's wrong? And he said to me, you pray with your heads instead of your hearts. You believe in your heads because of what you know of the word. And when you pray, you are praying according to your knowledge of the word. So you're always seeking to pray in the right way and to pray with faith. But then the Lord said, but I say in my word, and we've already read these scriptures, that if the mountains are going to be moved, you have to pray from the heart. It's what you believe in the heart. It's having that confidence in the heart. It's knowing in your heart that what you pray for has to happen because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And you can't have that assurance, that certainty in your head. It has to be in the heart. So God answers, I mean, this is what he says in Scripture. He answers the prayer of the heart, not the prayer of the head. And we can be very informed and knowledgeable about faith and what it means to pray with faith. But this mustard seed has to get, be in our hearts so that we have that confidence, that absolute assurance that because we have prayed, God will do it. Now, we had a little touch of that right at the beginning of this term. When you remember, we had the encounter evenings in the church building. And on the last of those, we had that time when 
We were crying out to God, and I was saying, Lord, I cannot be denied. That's the faith he's talking about. That's the attitude he's talking about. I cannot be denied. You cannot deny me. This is your word. This is your promise. You cannot deny me. My confidence is such in you that you cannot deny me. You will do it. doesn't mean necessarily we're going to be shouting and crying out to God as we were that night because it's a heart attitude. And, of course, this is what God wants, not just for us personally, but for us corporately. We, as a body, cannot be denied. Those that need healing cannot be denied. And uh, I'm believing this for my own personal circumstances, but I believe God. what God has said is that what he wants to do is something corporate, that he wants to bring us through together as a body to this place So not just one or two individuals, but we see a whole number of issues getting resolved. Financial, healing, provision, whatever, whatever, whatever. But we see a whole lot of things suddenly getting resolved because the body has come through to a new place of faith. And that, of course, is not just those of us who meet here at Rafi, but the whole of the church and all the congregations that are part of the church. So, we have his word. And the reason, the only reason, why Jesus said such things and gave such promises is because God intends them to be fulfilled. He doesn't intend his children to be living in constant frustration that they're not being fulfilled. Now, I know, and this is clear in anything you ask, that Jesus does not say that every prayer will necessarily be answered immediately. It isn't that, you know, we pray something and wham, bam, zang, Uh, It happens. We have some situations like that. I talk in this book about some answers being like rockets, just immediate answer. Others like tortoises, where you have to persevere in faith and the answer keeps plodding towards you. But if you give up, the tortoise stops and goes into its shell until you get back to the place of faith. The great thing is that the tortoise turns into a rocket just before it arrives. (laughs) But no, we're not dictating to God how he has to answer or even when he is to answer, but we have his promise, he will do it. And of course, God never wants to delay the answer to our prayer unless there's some good reason for that. And usually it's because of something that he's working out in us which is greater than the answer that we were looking for. 
God always wants to give us more than we ask for. He never wants to give us less than we ask for. So sometimes, you know, there's a time delay, but in the end we receive much more than if God had answered us immediately or we'd received the, the uh, fulfillment of the promise immediately. So it isn't a question of us dictating to God, but when Jesus spoke and prayed, like when he cursed the fig tree, it had immediate effect. When Jesus in his ministry spoke to mountains, had immediate effect. And I mean, this is what I've seen. And during that period of, of my ministry, this is what I was seeing. I mean, I would see hundreds of people healed at a single meeting. People coming forward at the end of a meeting. You could have 200, 300 people would queue up at the end of the meeting to testify to how they'd been healed in the meeting. Not to say they were standing in faith or they were believing that God was going to do it. They were only asked to come forward to give testimony if the healing had actually happened in the meeting. I believe with all my heart that if we're going to see the move of the Spirit that God is talking about, there's got to be a restoration of that kind of faith. Not just for healing, but for whatever. It's the faith. As I say, it's not just about healing. But healing is always one of the obvious ways in which you can see the evidence of faith. Because something has to happen in a person's life and often in their body. So I know that what God has been doing in my life in these, as far as the physical thing is concerned, is it's been like a holding operation. And I've been able to function and, and whatever has been happening hasn't inhibited or restricted my ministry in any way whatsoever. That's been the grace of God. But I know the resolution of the whole situation is going to come as I'm restored to that place of faith together with you that we are going to see an explosion of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, God is moving amongst us. We had a powerful freedom weekend recently, and we, there's no, we're not being negative, we're not being critical. We're just saying, Lord, there's more. Because we do not see the full realization of all these prayer promises that you've given us. So, that I believe needs to be a focus of our prayer at this time. That the Lord would work that in us. I don't know what he will need to do. I know what he needed to I know what he did in me to bring me through to that place and I wouldn't want to go through that again. And I'm I hesitate to tell you because it might put you off. But um because God really put me through an extremely 
severe test. Because, you know, I said I wanted to come through to this place of faith. And it wasn't that I wasn't in a place of faith before, because I was already seeing great uh, things happening in the ministry. But I was ministering in, in Australia with uh, another guy who is very famous in the faith movement. I won't mention any names. Uh, and as I listened to this guy, I realized that he had a quality, a dimension of faith that I didn't have. It wasn't that I didn't have faith, but he had something I didn't have. The nature of his ministry and the way he ministered to people, I hated. I, I, I said, Lord, I want faith like that man has, has but I don't want his kind of ministry. <laughs> because we never need to, to imitate other people's ministries. That, that night, uh, I was, because I, this was obviously on a tour of ministry that I was doing, I was put up in a Christian conference center. There was no conference on because everybody had been at this big meeting that uh, was taking place in Sydney. And uh, actually there was a, a, an English girl, a British girl, who I knew, I'd met, she'd visited Kingdom Faith, who was sort of responsible for me, and she, she said, um, uh, I'm going to have to leave you here all on your own. There's no staff, everybody's off this weekend. You will be the only one here, and I'll have to lock you in because of security, but I'll be here at whatever time in the morning to give you your breakfast. So I thought, okay, fine. Uh, in those days, of course, there were no cell phones. There was nothing like that. And uh, so I went to bed. After a few minutes, I woke up in the most extreme agony. I mean, I, I was in such pain, I didn't know where to put myself. I was crawling around the room. I was sitting on the floor. I was trying to get into a place where I wasn't in pain. And I prayed and said, Lord, Lord, Lord. And he was just said what he often says in such situations, trust me. So, you know, I couldn't phone. I had no number to phone anybody. I couldn't get anybody help. It was Jesus or nobody. And this went on, I think, for about two hours. And then I, I can remember I was sort of sitting in the corner of the floor. I couldn't even get to the bed. I was in such pain. And the Lord said to me, go and lie down and go to sleep. And, you know, I, humanly speaking, I could have said, you're joking. How am I even going to get to the bed, let alone lie on it? And when I lie on it, how can I go to sleep in this pain? But anyway, I got to the bed, lay down, fell into a deep sleep. When I woke up the following day, I was completely free of pain. There was nothing wrong. That day, I had that same quality of faith that I'd seen in that other man. Now, God isn't going to put you through anything like that. <laughs> uh, 
But what I'm saying is, you see, when you ask for something like this from the Lord, he's going to put it to the test. Are you really prepared to trust me when there is no alternatives? There's no backup. There's no plan B. There's only plan A. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And ever since then, I mean, that, that revolutionized my ministry. And although I'd seen so much happening before, I mean, we'd have revival for several years in Luton before all this, because this happened, this must have happened in about 1977, I think. So I'd probably been traveling for a couple of years. And, uh, but from that time on, I saw God do so much more than I'd ever seen before. So I know that when we get after, when we really go after something that we need from God, he will work it in us. And yes, it might be put to the test in some way, but that's always for our good. And I realized, you know, I realized afterwards, of course, it wasn't a pleasant experience to go through, but I realized afterwards it was for my good that God did that because what I knew that following morning is if I could trust God through that, I can trust him through anything. That's how it appeared to me at the time. But all these prayer promises of Jesus, as a result of what happened that night, all these prayer promises of Jesus suddenly became real. And everywhere I went, I was preaching this. And then writing the book about a year. I suppose I preached it for about a year and then wrote the book. So the book came out of the anointing of what God was actually doing. I was seeing what I was writing about. This is not a book of, of spiritual theory where, you know, you can read books that just take the word of God and, 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 and the writer is really talking about theory because he hasn't experienced what he's talking about. I've, you know, somebody sent me a book on revival uh, that he'd written and, and uh, I read the first page and put the book to one side because I thought, well, the guy hasn't ever experienced revival. He doesn't know what he's talking about, really. And, and you know, if you, can't, if you don't experience the word, you haven't got much to say about it, really. So, uh, you know, anybody can get a concordance and, and write down stuff of, what this means and that means and the other means. But if we're going to bring revelation, the word of God has to live in us. And in our personal witness to others, the word of God lives in us. And we can communicate to others what is living in us. So you see, what happened as a result of, of that is that these promises lived in me. And I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I really am not exaggerating. I could not conceive at that time of ever praying for anything without it being answered by God. It just seemed, you know, I can remember thinking to myself and saying to Caroline, you know, for the rest of my life, everything I pray for now, God is going to do. I wish that had been the case. But if I'd stayed in that place of faith, it would have been the case. But this is one of the problems of the, of the spiritual life, of the Christian life, that 
we can have times of great blessing, great anointing, great fruitfulness. But sustaining that over prolonged periods of time is not easy and seldom happens. Most people, you know, somebody who wrote extensively about uh, men of God, he, he, he actually said to me that in nearly every person that he'd studied and written about, God had a 10-year period where they were blessed and used in a particular way. And I, I, th- I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to settle for 10 years. I'm going to go beyond that. That was my reaction to that. But I think it is true, you know, that we, can, we all have times when we really are on top of the game and other times when, for whatever reason, I think usually it's because of sin, of self, of the flesh or whatever, but something causes us to lower our expectations. And it's usually these things happen very subtly. You hardly realize that they are happening until you get to a point where you realize, wait a minute, I'm not seeing the same things happen in the same way with the same expectation that I used to. So there's no excuse for that. I'm not trying to excuse myself. Uh, You know, I can look back on a very fruitful ministry and thank God for that, but the thing that's always, always bugs me, bugs me still, is that if only I'd stayed at the level of holiness that once I knew, if only I'd stayed at the level of faith that I once knew, how much more could God have done in my life than he has done? So I'm never sort of complacent and I never think, oh, wow, you know, uh, look how God's used me. I don't never think like that. I just praise God for his mercy. But I believe and we've received so many, and I've received so many personal prophecies from different people in recent months. I believe that God wants to restore. He's restoring me to that place of holiness. That's happening. He's going to restore me to that place of faith that's beginning to happen. Hallelujah. But you see, this isn't about me. This is about us. But it's always the case. You know, God always begins with the leadership, and then he deals with the body. Because what's the point of the body coming through to a new place if the leadership isn't in a new place? The body can't move forward unless it's led forward. So God's, God's usual way is, is to deal with leadership and then he deals with the body. So, God wants to bring us through to that place where we are sure and certain which means things are not going to continue as they are now. We're not going to just pray for people to be healed. They're going to be healed. We're not going to just pray for the provision to come. The provision's going to arrive. Amen? And all kinds of other situations, too, that we need to see resolved. We will see resolved in the name of Jesus.
I'm not going to say very much more about this, but the revelation that is key, is crucial to all this, is what it really means to pray in the name of Jesus. And I can remember at that time, God really showed me that if I pray in his name, I'm praying in his person. The name denotes the person in Scripture. Which means that I pray what Jesus would pray. So if I'm going to pray with this mustard seed faith, I will pray what Jesus would pray because my attitude towards that situation is the same attitude that Jesus would have. I will speak to that mountain as Jesus would, but I would believe in my heart as Jesus would believe in his heart as to what would happen as a result. Now, he also explained to me, this is not trying to imitate Jesus. It's realizing that you are in him and he is in you. If you abide in me, if you continue to live in me, and my words continue to live in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. So if I'm living in him and his word is living in me, then I'm going to pray as Jesus would pray with the faith that Jesus would have with the authority that Jesus would have, because I have Christ in me. And so it's, it's allowing the Christ in you to actually exercise his faith. Just as he is our holiness and our righteousness, so he is the author and perfecter of our faith. So it's not trying to believe in him and trying to be in a, a different place of faith, trying to see our prayers answered. Because the more we try, the more trying we are, you know, and the less actually we are moving in faith. As I, I think I said on, on Sunday, uh, there, where there is faith, there's no effort. There's absolutely no effort. When you're in faith, there's no effort. You know that, that cross up there uh, is there because I saw somebody restored from the dead. There was absolutely no effort. There was, wasn't anything difficult about it because it was God. You see, where God is, and that all came out of the same period of time, let me tell you, faith. But, let, let, but when God is operating through us, there's no effort. There's no effort on our part. It's not trying to believe. It's not going, oh, I've got to. No, 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 no. It's being sure and certain. If you're sure and certain, you don't need effort. If you believe the promise, you don't need effort. Jesus doesn't say, I will do it if you have effort. We need perseverance because he taught us that. We need determination because he taught us that. But that's not the same as soulish effort. If our trust is in the Lord, then we know he lives in us and he can Pray in us and through us. Speak with authority in us and through us. It's the Holy Spirit operating in us and through us. However, the important thing this morning, beloved ones, 
is that you recognize for yourself what I had to recognize for myself. Something is wrong. Something is missing. God wants to do more in me and through me. Once you appreciate that, you know there's no condemnation, there's no judgment from God, he's, he's not whipping you, beating you, scolding you, anything like that. He's just saying, I want to work this faith in you. I want to bring you through to that place where you know that whatever you ask in prayer, he will do. Because you believe, not just with your head, with your knowledge, but with your heart. You have that assurance, that certainty in your heart. It will be done. It has to be done. God will not deny me because he's my father. I'm his child. And it's his promises that I'm believing. And I'm praying in the power of his spirit. That's it. So this is going to be an exciting end to term, isn't it? Because I believe that by the end of this term, that's not, that's only what, two and a half weeks now? You're going to go on placement with a different level of faith than you have at this moment. And you are going to see things happen that you would not have thought of because he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. If he is able to do that, we need to see that. Amen? Let's all stand. The great thing about God's love and mercy is you can stand before him and say, Lord, I recognize something is wrong, and you know that he doesn't condemn you, doesn't judge you, doesn't beat you, doesn't scold you. He says, okay, let's deal with it then, shall we? Let's move you on to another place of faith. Hallelujah. So I believe we, we need to respond to what he said to us. I can't pray your prayer for you. This is where you've got to engage with God yourself from your heart. But perhaps you might want to say, Lord, I realize I prayed so many words. And I thank you for the answers to prayer that I've seen. But I realize, Lord, there's so much more that could have happened and should have happened in response to my prayer. And that's not a failing on your part, Lord, but something has been wrong with me, with my faith, something lacking in my faith. You may want to say, Lord, I realize that I haven't had that confidence, that assurance, that certainty, of faith, that whatever I pray will most definitely happen. 
Lord, I want to come to that place. And faith comes from hearing you. And I'm hearing all your prayer promises afresh this morning. And I know that you gave me those promises as a child of God. This is how you can pray. You gave me these promises as a child of God so that they would be fulfilled in my experience. Not that they would just stay in my Bible. That's wonderful promises. But that they, those promises would live in my heart and my life. You may say, Lord, I realize I've, so much of my faith has been in my head instead of my heart. But even when I pray, I've been, I've been sort of trying to think the right way and put it the right way and, and, and to be in faith instead of there being a sort of spontaneous thing in my heart where I just believe and have assurance and certainty. Come on, you just say to the Lord, whatever, but don't stand there dumb. Just start speaking to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can say to the Lord, Lord, I want that mustard seed faith. I believe that's the seed you sow into my heart by the Holy Spirit. Can I hear prayer here? Just a tiny seed, but it's the same faith that Jesus had. It's not your faith, it's his faith in you. The author of your faith sows that seed. Puts that seed in you, in your heart. Lord, we believe that. We can, we're asking, Lord, according to the promise of your word this morning, that you would sow that seed of your faith into the hearts of every single one of us in this room. That we would not only come through to a new place of personal faith, but we would come to a new place of corporate faith. That when any two agree together, it will be done by our Father in heaven because both are in that place of faith, of mustard seed faith. Both are in that place of confidence. Both have that assurance. That absolute assurance of faith. Papara santo di saria letto papapara sito di santo. 
Now, of course, you have to cut out of your conversation everything that is not of faith. Because it's no use having faith in the prayer room, but you're speaking contradictory things outside of the prayer time. So just agree with God now that you are not going to make any statements about yourself or about others that are a contradiction to faith. That everything you say about yourself is going to be a statement of faith. You're going to speak and keep speaking the truth of God's word over your life. You're going to keep speaking his promises over your life. Hallelujah. It's not a question of how you feel or what the circumstance. You're not going to talk about that. What you're going to do is speak faith. (laughs) Beloved, you have to understand that what I'm talking about is not how you believe when you pray. It's a way of life. I'm talking about a way of life. Hallelujah. That everything is positive about the way you think and about the way you speak. So you might need to pray, Lord, let my mind be renewed because I'm not going to give in to all these negative thoughts, these unbelieving thoughts, these self-dependent thoughts, these selfish thoughts. I want my mind renewed so I know the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Hallelujah. So I surrender my mind afresh to you this morning. I want, Lord, I want a mind that is thinking faith. That when situations arise quite unexpectedly, my reaction is immediately one of faith. Because I think faith and I speak faith and I live faith, my response is faith. Hallelujah. Now, my Bible says when believers lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Not they might recover or they could recover or God will think about it. But if we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. But the scripture says if believers. So we need to be in that place of faith where we believe that just to lay hands on someone will be in the name of Jesus will be to impart the healing power to them and they will be healed. Come on, come on, come on. Let's pray this. Come on, don't, 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 just, don't just clap the sentiment, believe it. Lord, I'm a believer. I am a believer. Hallelujah. And you say, if believers lay hands on the sick, they will recover. They will recover. There's no if, but, or maybe. They will recover. Hallelujah. 
Come on, tell the Lord you want that to be true of you, that you're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Praise you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. Now, some of you have just gone through freedom and God has set you free from all kinds of stuff that is actually all of it. All that he set you free from was a contradiction to faith. So praise God. He's got the garbage out the way. Now he's instilling all the positives into you. So just thank him that you're going to walk by faith, you're going to live by faith, you're going to speak faith, you're going to think faith, you're going to pray with faith. Hallelujah. Because only faith pleases God. Without faith, you cannot please him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When writing about the prayer of faith in Mark 11, I say this, you know, how, how to pray the prayer of faith. One, set your mind on God. Remember his love for you, that you are his child. Spend some time in praise, giving yourself to him in worship. Two, ask yourself the question, what do I believe God will do in answer to my prayer? Three, if you have any doubts that he will meet the need, confess them and ask him to give you the faith of Jesus, the tiny seed that when planted will surely bring the harvest. Four, bring to the Lord anything else that needs to be put right with him, especially any sin that needs to be forgiven. Five, forgive anybody who, you, who has wronged or hurt you. Six, thank the Lord for his forgiveness. Seven, look at your mountain, the problem or need that is before you. Don't spend time anxiously thinking about it. Rather, eight, tell it to move. It often helps to picture in your mind the problem being resolved. See it happening with the eyes of faith. Nine, look again to the Lord and thank him that what you are seeing with the eyes of faith, he will do. He will move the mountain. Ten, praise him for his faithfulness in fulfilling his promise. Eleven, maintain that attitude of praise and thanksgiving every day until you see the answer to your prayer. Take the shield of faith to parry all the negative thoughts, words and attitudes and the lying accusations of Satan. Twelve, continue to give to the Lord and know that he will give to you. And I say the above is only a guide, not a formula. The only way to learn with, to pray with faith is by doing it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura la basandaria leto papapapara sandari sandama. Pupapapara sandaria leto papapapakala zituri sandama. Pupapapapakala sandaria leto papapakala zituri sandama. O papapapara sandaria leto papapakala zituri sandama. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we praise the Lord? Come on, let's praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pula tapari aleto papapapara sandari sandara masina. Oh, papapapara sandari. Now we realise, Lord, that what you've been saying to us tonight is going to be put to the test. We appreciate that, we realise that, and I believe that by your mercy and grace, every one of us is going to come through whatever test we have to go through so that we trust you and we see the fulfillment of your promises. Hallelujah. This is going to be a week of faith. You're going to have Pastor Judith speaking to you, and she's a woman of faith, so it's going to be a week of faith. Amen? I don't know what she's going to be talking about, but faith is going to rise up when you, because when you hear the word, faith rises up. Amen? So we thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We praise your wonderful and your holy name. Oh, come on, it's not noisy enough. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Papa papara zandu paparia zetu pakala zituri sandama. Oh papa papara zandaria letu papapa pakala zituri. Basta kalaria letu papa papara zanduri sandaria lenoma. Suntaria letu papa papara zanduri sandaria lenoma. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Papa papara zanduri sandaria letu papa papara zanduri. Yes, thank you, Lord. We're going to flow with the anointing. Thank you that faith is a gift of your Holy Spirit according to your word. And, Lord, I believe that you have imparted the gift of faith to your children this morning, and we give you thanks for that. That mustard seed is a gift, is the gift of your faith that will move mountains, that will uproot trees, Oh, hallelujah, that will bring deliverance, that will bring freedom, that will bring healing, that will bring provision. But above all, it will bring glory and honor and praise to your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 